Father, so glad that we have a place, so glad that we have a God who lives, who reigns, who was, who is, who always will be. And Lord, when thousands of years are gone and the devil is no more, you still will be. Lord, the believers that are currently maybe in great trial, we still will be, but the enemy will be no more. Father, we're standing today on your word. We're standing on the God that is for us, not against us. Lord, we're standing on the one that is so willing and able to help us. Father, this morning we come together one more time. Needs have been mentioned. Prayers have been offered. Lord, there's great needs in the land. Lord, but we come together as the believers, the body of Christ. We unite our prayers together. And we're asking you, Lord, to remember all that are needy this morning. Those in our midst, those across the land. Lord, in different places. Lord, we remember our brother Ron this morning. Father, we thank you for his life and how many times the enemy has tried to get him. But Lord, we're still standing. He's still standing. And Lord, we stand together. Lord, we remember our brother John LaFontaine this morning. Father, a soldier of the cross. And we're asking you for him, for his family. Be very near unto them. Be very near unto us this morning. We ask, Lord, and pray now for the service. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn to the Word this morning. I want to read something just as we prayed. I, I, I just couldn't get away from that this morning. Seems like everything we've been hearing is negative, but I want to just spin this completely the other way. Psalms 46. I want to read this together. We're going to read part of this. Let's read verses 1 to 3 together. Waiting till the Bible stops. If you don't have your Bible open and you're still scrambling, and you can just look up there. Let's read together. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, through the mountain shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. Let's just read 4 and 5 as well. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. Amen. That's the God that's with us. That's the God that's for us. Amen. Just if we just drop down to, I'm just going to read verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. 
That wasn't really my topic, but that was on my heart. Let's go over to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to pick this up in verse 3. This morning I'm actually taking, well, I guess last week we took our New Year's Eve, New Year's service, if we can call it that. I called it part one. So if we're on part 29 halfway through the year, we'll be okay. The Word of God is always unfolding. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So God did this. For what purpose? Number four. Verse, verse four. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So God's purpose will never be defeated. No matter what happens, no matter what rises up, God's purpose will endure. And God sees to it that it'll happen. So it's something for us, for his children, for his benefactors. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'll invite you also to turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. This is what we read last week, and I'm going to just pick up a part of it. Let's start reading from verse 3. Knowing this first, that there should come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So scoffers, they're not seeing and unfolding. They're not seeing God working in our midst. So this they say, and it says, Peter says in verse 5, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Now he's talking about the days, the time of Noah, and in the time of Noah there was a flood, there was, uh, the earth had to receive a baptism. We know in, and I'll tell you what, this message is nothing like it. The earth has received its baptism, its justification, it's received its sanctification when the blood of Jesus was poured upon the earth, and it will receive its baptism by fire. Now the earth is one of God's attributes. It can never be lost. All of God's attributes are a part of God. They're eternal. There's an aspect of them that can never be lost no matter what they go through. Now we need to go through a purging. We ourselves need to go through a, a baptism of water. We need a sanctification. And we need a burning out of the old man, the old desires. But thank God he's going to do it. He's going to bring us to where we need to come to. So it says now in verse 7, Peter is speaking. He says, the heavens and the earth which are now 
by the same word are kept. Now look at, we read this in First Peter, kept in store. It uses the word kept and reserved twice here. Are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. So God's keeping things just so they work to the right time. He's keeping the universe. He's keeping the earth. He's keeping everything that's going to fulfill his good purpose, his good word. And if he's keeping all of that, he's keeping us. Over to the book of Jude. I would invite you to turn to chapter 1, but that'll just cause you to wait for about five minutes to find it. So we'll just turn to the book of Jude, if that's okay. We're going to read from verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once... Though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Now he's talking about a natural thing, but he brings it into a spiritual context. This is not a battle of flesh and blood. The things that are happening on the earth, the great turmoil, the groaning, and all the things that are happening, they're not just coincidence. It's not just personalities. But this is spirits that are manifesting and working. And so Jude says the same thing here. He says, now, what happened back then, he says, and the angels, verse 6, which kept not their first estate, hath left their own habitation... He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So God's keeping and bringing everything. The world's going to come to a white throne judgment. Everybody that ever has lived on the earth will come to that place. There will be people on the earth from throughout history that will stand to be judged according to the lives they lived. There will be those that live for God, and they will also be judged. And the bride will also be there. The bride that is presently being perfected, she will be sitting with the king in the throne, also judging the nations. I'll tell you what, I am thankful for his dealing in my life today. I'm thankful because there is something reserved for those that submit themselves today. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So the days of Sodom are here again. Drop down to verse 20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost... Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now you can't can't save yourself. You can't keep yourself. But God's saying stay in a channel. Stay in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's amazing. He is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless. A bride will be there without spot or wrinkle. How is that possible, Brother Ed? With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. With all the spirits and all the wickedness, I can actually make it. Yes, you can make it. Why? Because God is for you. He's not against you. He's here to see you through. To the only wise God, our Savior, be the glory and the majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. This morning I'd like to speak on kept and preserved unto that which is reserved. Now it sounds like a rhyme. The poet didn't even know it, right? Kept and preserved unto that which is reserved. So let's stay with me a little bit here today. I'd like to just continue a little bit. I'm going to read something, first of all, if I can, and I just want to read it from Christ, the mystery of God revealed. Brother Branham would make the statement, if you ever fail, come back to this message. And I, I believe that's a good place to come back to. We can, look, we can talk this morning about all the things that are going on in the earth. We did that a little bit last week, but that's not our focus. If you look at all those things long enough, you're going to get fearful. If you listen to the news every day, you're going to just say, uh, you're, you're going to be drained and you're going to be zapped. If you keep looking onto which is right and which is good, you're going to be built up in the most holy faith. You're going to not look to the right or the left. You're going to be looking at something that as you look at it, it changes you. So Brother Adam would say in, in, in the message, Christ, the mystery of God revealed, and he would say this, God has a purpose and a hidden mystery. And he says, the hidden mystery of God that he had in his mind before the world ever began, it has unfolded itself right down to this present hour that we are living. Now it's moving, it's not stagnant. It, it's not just a state we get to. Somebody once told me, well, the Holy Ghost, it's just a state of being. No, the Holy Ghost is a person. That person lives inside of you. He interacts with you. He expresses himself. He prays through you. He sings through you. He walks through you. He does all of these things. Now, he would go on to say, the entire Bible is the revelation of God's mystery in Christ. The entire Bible is the expression of one goal that God had, one purpose he wanted to achieve in the entire Bible. So it's not a static gospel. It's not just a word or it's a, a level of learning that we attain to, but no, it's actually moving, it's unfolding. The believers of every age that are the overcomers, they're overcomers by living to the word of their age. The demands of Luther are not the demands of God today. Neither are we expected to go back and live by those. In the Old Testament, they could only live by the manna that God sent them every day. The believer only can live by the word that God sends for their day. Friends, we are living by what God has had in his mind. I, I, don't, I, I don't think I, I could have the words to fully express, and I don't think we'll fully comprehend what God has actually done in this last age. 
what he is doing right now and what he has reserved for us just beyond. There are people in the world that are living comfortably, that have lots of fineries. But I'll tell you what, they are not even close to what the believer has this morning. The believer in this hand this morning, if you've got eternal life, you've got everything. If you've got the peace of God that you can go to sleep at night, you've got everything. We are the highest order of people on the earth today. Why? Because of our God that dwells in us and is with us. He's greater than everything. He's here. So God has allowed conditions and his purpose and time to express himself to his people. The Bible is 66 books, 40 different authors. It's got history, it's got laws, it's got instruction, it's got psalms, it's got poetry, it's got prophecy. It's a living book. On the surface, if you look at it with natural eyes, it's a ragtag book. How can you make sense of everything? I, I, I was reading earlier this year, and I came to uh, Schofield's commentary just on the Gospels, just the, the four Gospels. I thought it was good. He said, the four Gospels record the eternal being, the human ancestry, the birth, the, de the, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man. They record a selection of incidents from his life and from his words and his works. Taken, to these, taken together, these four Gospels, they are not a biography, but a personality. And Brother Branham would say, if you can't see Christ in every verse of the Bible, go back and read it again. Oh, the devil is blinded to it. I, I say it this way, theologians are blinded to it. But God sits in the midst of it. He goes on to say, this biography that we have, the four Gospels, he says, are not a complete biography. But he says... They, they indicate a complete personality. They indicate the spirit and the intent with which we should approach them. Now, I, I can't read everything he says here. If you have a Schofield, you can look at these comments. For some adequate reason, Christ after the flesh, it did not please God to write a complete biography of his son. 29 years of his life we know very little about. But God didn't want us to know everything about those details. He made known to us just what he wanted. He, 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 he had four gospel writers that wrote, and each one from a slightly different viewpoint. Luke from the man's side, seeing the personable side, that we can identify with a God that's interested in people. Mark would look with just a matter-of-fact ox-type anointing. Matthew would be bold, and he would issue things, and John would come from a level that was unparalleled. But they all demonstrate Jesus Christ, the living God, the one that walked on earth with us, the one that's still with us today. It's a living Bible. 
he, he would go on and say much more, but I, I'm not going to read, read all of that. Brother Bannon would say, in Christ the mystery of God, and, and he would also say this, and, and, and I'm, I could read many different parts out of here, but I just took a couple. He is the principal theme of the Bible. He is the prophets. He was in the Psalms. He is in the history of the book. It's a prophetic book, a historical book. It's a book of love. It's a book of Psalms. Whatever you are, if you're a black and white type person, you know, it's there for you. You want do's and don'ts, you can have it if you want. If you're a poet and you're just off in some place, it's there for you. But God draws from all of these things. They're all a part of the person of his being. He said, it's a book of life. It's a book of Psalms. It's a book of life. He said, and in there you find Christ. He was in the prophets. He's in the Psalms. You could ask the question, who was that in the wilderness with them? Who was that rock that followed him? The Bible said that rock was Christ. When the water, when, when he smote that rock, who was it that the water gushed out of? He says that was a type of Christ. Who was it? That was in Moses when God said, separate yourself. But Moses said, no, no, Lord, don't do it. Don't do it. That was Christ that was in Moses. Who was it in the Old Testament prophets that was rejected and that, that was despised? Who was that? Was it, just, was it Jeremiah? Was it Ezekiel? Was it Isaiah? Or who was it that was in them? It was Christ that was in them. And Jesus would come in, in the book of Matthew and he would come in Matthew 24, and he would just, you know, it's amazing how he, he's there looking over Jerusalem, and he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And he's expressing the heart of God. You that killed the prophets and stoned them, which I sent unto you, how oft I would have gathered thy children together. It was God that was reaching out to them. It was God desiring to bring them back to him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, I would have gathered as your children, even as a hen gathers her chickens in her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. But that was the heart of God. He was the fourth man in the fire. He was in Elijah and Elisha. He was building an image, Brother Bannon would speak in the masterpiece message, that he would himself step into in Christ. Now, let's just turn over to, let me read one more, and then I'm going to get, get, turn with something else here. But he, he would also make this statement. I just wanted to, just to, to sort of set forth where I'm going today. He would say, because it's, it, the revelation doesn't stop with Christ. The revelation, Jesus would say in John chapter 14, I said, at that day, you shall know that I am in you, the Father in me. He, said, and he, would, he would express it because when is that day? That's this day. And Brother Bannon would say it's, this, it's a life. It's not an expression of some church that we express. It's a life that you don't live yourself, but he comes in you and lives by himself and you become a prisoner to do to any human intellectual being at all. You're led by the Spirit. That's what we, we shared on, on Wednesday. He says the whole thing, look, it's Christ being no, made known. It's the revelation of God to take Eve back to her position again. Christ in you makes him the center of your life. Christ's life in you makes him the center of your revelation, the Bible. 
He said, he's the principal theme of our walking and our talking and our singing and everything. I'm trying to move along. Revelations 1. We took this on Wednesday. I'm just going to come and refer back to it again. I find myself strange saying this, that it's warm up here, but it's warm. Revelations 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, unto you and peace. From who? From him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Now, we, we mentioned on, on Wednesday, because Paul labors, he takes time in the book of Hebrews, and the first five chapters actually to identify Jesus Christ in the office, not of son of man prophet, but now in the son of man priest. Because he was prophet, priest, and king. And as a priest, he ascended on high. He ascended on high to make intercession for those that were here. Here now it's not the blood of bulls and goats that are there for us, covering us, but now it's something abolishing us and abolishing our sins, but not only abolishing them, but also bringing back on us his life by the Holy Ghost on earth. It took an office of a priest to do that. So he says now, to from him which is, which was, so which is, he's the priest, which was, he was a prophet, and which is to come, he's going to come as a king, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. So the seven spirits are also the messengers that came out from him. They were virtually an extension of him. So it was God that was working through them. <coughs> now, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first and begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests, unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning, I'm the ending. He's the author of our faith. He's the ending of our faith. And he's everything in between. Because he that started a good work will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just we're fellowshipping this last week and all the things that are going on in the earth today. Friends, it's, 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 it's beyond comprehension. We talked about, you know, just, just the different things even, even last week. USA shot down, or shot, shot a, uh, a general in Iran. Well, that escalated to now Iran shooting down a plane. Innocent people. Tensions at an all-time high. Every country in the world, just, you know, it's just a nervous edge. And you, and you ask yourself, when will it all break loose? Exactly when God has determined it to be so. 
Because there's a secret to all this. I may not get to it completely this morning. But there's a secret to all of this. God in the middle of his, his eye is on his people. His eye is on you and where you're living and how you are. And everything that's happening around is happening with God's heart on his people and on his bride. He has a purpose for us. Or as it was expressed, we are his purpose. We give him reason and purpose of being. We exist on the earth. He has no hands but our hands. He has no eyes, no mouth but ours. Oh, I thank God to be yielded to him. You might say, oh, the Bible would say, he that keepeth his life shall lose it. He that loses his life shall keep it. Oh, I'm so thankful. There's a rest to the people of God. He would also say in verse 10, John now, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, what you see right in a book. Send it to seven churches which are in Asia unto Ephesus. So he tells all the churches. Verse 12, and I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And being turned, he saw the seven golden candlesticks. And then he saw in the midst of the golden candlesticks, one like to the Son of Man. So he walked with the church through the ages. He brought life to him. You're all familiar with that, that, that lampstand, with, with, all, with all of those things. They all drew the oil from the same source. He, he, he said, now write everything in a book, send it to them, but he gave the spirit and the utterance to every age. I've been reading, a, a, a friend of mine was reading a book on Luther, and I started reading it too, and it's just amazing to see where God took Luther from. You thought God took Brother Marshall from things. I mean, you look at where, where Luther came from and what he saw and the idolatry and, and the utter corruption of the church in the dark ages. Friends, it's, it's, it was nothing but the grace of God that took and pulled a man out of all of these things and went through all of this to a point where something in him could not stand what was going on. It's the tactic of the enemy to bind up what God is doing. It's, it's always, when Jesus rose from the dead, they tried to, to say that, you know, in his death, they tried to say, well, it didn't happen, his disciples told him. You know, they, when, when the veil of the temple was rent and God opened something, he tried to sew it up again. The enemy is always trying to stop up what God is doing. But I'll say this, the seals are loosed, and they loose the mystery of God, and you can't stop it. Friends, the seals are nothing mysterious. The seals is only God pulling back the veil for his children to see. And it exposes the Antichrist. And it shows what he is. And we are not ignorant of his devices. If you're a believer and you're in the word of God, you're feeding on it, you have automatic discernment. You can see things that theologians can't see.
You can see things happening in your school. That the spirits that are working on youth. You can see spirits that are happening in the job site. You can see things in the world at large. There, you're, you have it. What is it? Is it you? No, it's God. It's the spirit of Christ in us. And because you can see it, you can walk. And you're kept. And you can, you can say, you can rest on what God has showed us. Beyond the curtain of time. There were millions that had a cry. We are resting on what you spoke. And that's what we're doing today. How can you preach it like this, Brother Ed? Because we're resting on what God has spoke. Now... In the days of Noah, there were scoffers. They said nothing has changed. Let me read this out of the Greek diaglot because, and that, that is the way it was said here. In the last days, scoffers will come scoffing, walking after their own lust. Where is the promise of his presence? All things continue this way from the beginning of the creation. He says now, but the present heavens and the earth by the same word are treasured up, being kept for a fire to a day of judgment and destruction of impious men. Now, even the book of Jude goes further and it, it tells us there were men of old that were foreordained to this condemnation. There had to be somebody that would step into the rule of, role of Judas. There had to be somebody that would walk and begin to take those steps to betray Christ. And even Jesus spoke of it. You know, Jesus even spoke of his time on earth. Now, I'm, 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 I'm going to slowly make, make, move into a point here. Jesus would even say, Abraham, by the faith that was in him, and Abraham met Elohim, he met Melchizedek, and he says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. When Jesus was on earth. Actually, Job rejoiced to see his day. I know in the last days my Redeemer liveth. In other words, <coughs> there had to be an unfolding. There had to be something placed into the believers that they were in expectation of. Joseph told those that were in Israel, don't bury me in Egypt, bury me in the promised land where the resurrection is. So God put in their hearts something that they looked forward to and they rejoiced to see the day. Now at the same time, when Jesus came and fulfilled the word, and you see it so beautifully when you, when you watch them when he's coming into Jerusalem. And, and it's, it's what they call Palm Sunday. And, and he's riding on a donkey fulfilling scripture. And they're waving palm leaves, palm leaves. And all the city was moved. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. What was it? The word being fulfilled. The word coming into its order. It was such a rejoicing. Friends, it ought to rejoice our hearts today when we see what God has done. What he's done in this last day. This is not just a little better learning. This is not just Brother Branham. This is Christ, the Son of Man, who has come again in this last day. 
if you can receive it. In Noah's day, they scoffed at Noah's message. And it's a prophecy because the Bible says, in the last days they'll come again. The scoffers may not have risen up on the first day, maybe after the first 10 years, but maybe after 50 years the message got a little long. Did you know that we're a little over 50 years since the prophet left? You know, we're 55 years. You know, the scoffers and all the naysayers didn't arise when the prophet was here. But they arose after a time and a season. They began to manifest who they were. Just like Lucifer manifest who he was. I know that was eternity, but it took time, and iniquity was found in him, and after a time, he manifested who he was, and it was, I will ascend. And that's what's also happening. I, I, if I can say it in, in as forthright a manner without trying to over-dramatize, we are living in treacherous times. We are living in perilous times. And I'm not just saying... That, that's in the world around us. I'll tell you, if, as we're making this sort of a follow-up to New Year's, you cannot live a halfway life and expect to make it. You cannot coast. I, I'm just, I'm just going to say it honestly. You think, I, I'll, I'll just show up at church and I'll make sure that I'm there every once in a while. I'll, I'll tell you what, you're going to get it. You're going to miss it. You can't ride on the coattails of your parents. You're gonna, you, if you're not entering in. L- L- listen, I, I don't believe Judas knew fully what he was doing. But, but yet he lived such a godly religious life. And, and, and maybe he began to walk. And, and there, was, there had to be a breeding ground for the steps that he took. There had to be a platform that he began to walk in. And, and you know, he maybe took the first step. I, I remember when a well-known evangelist many years ago, uh, well, I remember his wife better, Tammy Baker. But, but he, she, she actually said the first time she put makeup on, she thought God was going to smite her. And she looked around, and it didn't happen. And by the end of it, she was literally caked. Friends, you, if you don't want to be given over to a deceiving spirit. You don't want to just, well, God's judgment doesn't always strike, but the warning is there. And I'm telling you, we don't have a lot of time to go on, on, on side detours. You don't have time to play around. You've got to be earnest. You've got to be sincere. You, you've got to, because... You'll, you'll be given over to something. Listen, let me, while I'm here, turn with me to Psalms. Psalms chapter 80, 81. <coughs> Psalms 81. 
I, I could read the whole thing, but I'll just, I'm just going to pick it up from verse 10. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Fill my cup, Lord. We're actually, we're designed as an organism that wants to be filled. Physically being. Spiritually being. You cannot remain empty. You cannot remain neutral. You're designed to be filled with something. And there's a God who wants to fill us. But there's also an enemy who tries to fill us. Just reminded of a little cartoon about a snake rising up with false doctrine. It starts to rise up and let me tell you, let me tell you. And the cartoon character that was there just smites him across. I don't got time for that kind of nonsense. That's what you ought to tell the devil. Because he'll come with a question. I don't got time for that kind of nonsense. I'm a child of the king. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Verse 11. But my people would not hearken to my voice. And Israel would have none of me. So you, you can put off that voice. You know, just walk a little closer. Spend a little more time. I'll tell you, you put it off. Here's the danger. Verse 12. So I gave them up into, unto their own hearts' lusts. You want it? You want to feed on pornography? Go ahead. You can have it. You want to you have ungodly relationships? You want to have promiscuous things happening? Go ahead. You can have it. You want to have your own way? Go ahead. You want your own religion? You can have it. God's long-suffering goes so far, but then he gives you over to it. And they walked. I gave them up to their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I would have soon subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. Can you imagine that? God, even if you hate, if you would have given him to he allowed Cain an opportunity. He allowed the great whore of revelations, Jezebel, the prophetess. I gave her space to repent, the Bible says. But she wouldn't. And now you look at what it's become. The cage of every unclean demonic spirit. Verse 16. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat. And with honey out of the rock I should have satisfied thee. You can also read it over in Proverbs chapter 1, but he says, that when, you, when he says, I give you the fruit of your own way. I'll tell you what, friends, I don't want my own way. We're living in a time, and you look, there are people that were people we would have looked up to and stalwarts, and people are falling, and you ask yourself, how can I stand? You can't. If you're trusting in yourself, you'll never stand. But if you trust in the Lord, he'll keep you. I'll preserve you. I'll watch over you. 
Keep your heart right. Stay humble. Stay simple. He's the one. He's the one that keeps Israel. Just turn over a couple chapters. Psalms 127. Verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You can have the nicest church. You can have all the right things. But if it's not God behind it, what good does it? If, it, if it's not God in our singing or our worship or our ministering, what good is it? I, I tell you, I want Him in it. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman walk it, waketh but in vain. In other words, you can have, your parents can look after you. They can nurture you and coddle you. But if it's not God inspiring them or leading them, it's in vain. If it's, if it's you can say, well, thank God we've got good pastor and ministers and, and, and things you can say. But if it's not God that's inspiring them, it's in vain. It's God that's keeping the bride. It's not a man. It's God that's keeping a bride. He's keeping us. He's preserving us. Why? Because we got an inheritance incorruptible. Turn with me over to 2 Thessalonians. Kind of jumping around in my notes, but we'll be okay. Sorry, 1 Thessalonians. Very pertinent for the hour that we're in. I made a pledge to you last week. I wasn't going to rush it. I'm going to just take it as far as we need to go. And I'm going to let you go and start your cars and warm them up, okay? Is that all right? <laughs> you can still fellowship your 15 minutes after the service if you want. I'm sorry. Did I say 1 Thessalonians, Mark? It is 2 Thessalonians. My mistake. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. If there's ever a time you need to have some comforting words. Don't be shaken. What did we talk about last, last week? A great shaking. Don't be shaken. Where? In your mind. You know, you know what a little secret to all of this is? Don't be looking at what everybody else is doing. You can be aware of it in your peripheral vision. But your focus needs to be on the Word of God. Your focus needs to be on Him. And when you keep your eyes on Him, then you're kept. You know the young man that was riding the bicycle? That, that Brother Adam would say, he was riding the bicycle and, and, and they made the challenge, you know, who can ride it? And he actually rode his bicycle along this narrow line to the end. They said, how did you do it? He said, I didn't look to the side. I didn't look to this side. But I looked to the end. I looked to where I was going. And we need to look at where we're going. There's a purpose to the message. I'll tell you, friends, we're going to need to tune out some voices. We're going to need to tune out some websites. We're going to need to tune out some social media stuff. We're going to need to bury ourselves into where we're going. That's where we're going. Listen, I'm taking this for myself. 
You can come with me if you want, but I'm taking this for myself. Be not soon shaken in mind, in thinking, or be troubled, neither by spirit or by word or by letter from us. The day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. Deuteronomy 13. God tells the children of Israel, if there comes a man with a gift, or he has a dream, and the voice behind the dream tells you, let us go and worship other gods, cut it off. Doesn't matter how good it looks. Cut it off. I don't got time for that kind of nonsense. I feel like I should have played that cartoon in front of everybody today. I don't got time for that nonsense. Don't entertain it. Don't even play with it. Let no man deceive you by any means. For the day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. These things must be. Heresies must rise among you. I'm not writing everybody off. God's the judge. But I'm saying this. I need to keep going. And the man of sin shall be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God. So what's the revealing? It's the son of perdition. So we think that that revealing is just over when the Pope is crowned the vicar and is, you know, rides. And we think, you know, actually the revealing is in a religious spirit too. Not just over there, but right in our midst. Satan's not a, you know, listen, he, he's not, he's got the bar rooms. He's got, you know, the morality of the nation. He's got politics. He's got, you know, a lot of those. But where's his attack now? Where, where's the greatest attack coming? It's right where the children of God are. He desired the place, the congregation, the sides on the sides of the north. That's where the children of God are. That's the place he desires. He desires your attention. He desires your imagination. He desires your time. He desires my time. He's always there. You're going to need to learn to just... Ah, oh, it's you again. <laughs> you know that story, don't you? I think it was Martin or one of the men of old and messengers. In the middle of the night, he woke up and there was a spirit and there was an apparition kind of laid heavy on the bed and he looked up and he goes, oh, it's you again. And he went back to sleep. He's going to be there. He's going to challenge you. He's going to come against you. But like the catfish in the pod of, cond, uh, of cod, it's going to do you good. It's going to drive your roots down. It's going to get you in the message. It's going to do something for you. He opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. Remember, remember the service on Wednesday. Saul, a carnal king, used Samuel, the prophet, as a springboard to gain power. Don't think that the enemy doesn't want to use the messenger or the prophet as a basis to gain a following. He's wanting to be worshipped, and he'll do whatever he can. He sitteth so that he as God, as a roaring lion, 
sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember you not when I was wet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth. Now, just going back to, and I'm, I'm taking the day today, so whatever I don't have this morning, I'm going to follow through tonight, okay? So don't get worried. What, what, what we had, what, what withholdeth. How many remember in Revelations chapter 6, I believe it is, where the angels held back the four winds? There had to be a certain time and a certain season for things to be fulfilled. Now, God is working all things according to his plan. Now, let me start to inject where I, I really, the heart of where I'm going today. And, and, and I'm going to take it this way because I, I touched on it Wednesday. But, you know, we view Jesus died for me. We look to the cross. We, we weep. We feel sorry. And, and, and that's our worship. Oh, it's so much greater than that. That Jesus who died on the cross rose and ascended, and he lives forevermore. He's living right now. He's interceding. How's he interceding? By the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, which he sent to you. That is at your heart today, that the Word burns within you. He ever liveth to make intercession. Because I'll tell you, if we were just relying on what happened at the cross and that it was going to be our sympathy towards that and our continual repentance that was going to keep us, we've missed it. God is interested where you're at right now. Yeah. Brother Branham would take this statement in the Church Age book. And it's, it's a very good thought because he identifies in himself in Revelations these things saith the faithful and true witness. Now I want to show you the thought of faithful. We often talk about a great unchanging God. His word does not unchange. But we speak of him after a manner, we get, we get a view of him that makes him seem very impersonal. Okay, this is the message. Either you follow it or you don't. You're in or you're out. That's not the way God works. Even when you don't follow it, even when you're raised in a message home, like I was, and you run away from him, he goes after you. He chases you. He draws you in. He brings you back. He ushers you. He puts circumstances in for you. That's his grace. He doesn't stop. He's not impersonal. Listen, I... I'm going to go off tangent here a little bit. Just There's a man who, who wrote about the flatlands. He's an author. Because we, 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 our thinking, friends, is in these three dimensions we live in. Light, matter, and time. Our thinking is formed quite often by what we, we live in here. And, and it's very hard to project that there's something beyond. It's very hard for us to think, you know, because God put these things for us to dwell in, and he wants us to dwell. In fact, we're made for this, not the present conditions, the cosmos of this world, but we're made for this. Our body, our nature, our whole being is made for this. But there's a place made for God to come into that. But we limit God. I was just reading on Luther, and Luther could not get away 
the thinking that existed that the Catholic Church held at that time was that God was an angry God of judgment. And that everybody who came, and there was a continual, it brought people under their control, under their dominion. It brought people to the point where, you know, they, if, if they were good, they might get into purgatory. And then if they had children that they were good to, their children might pray them out of purgatory. Or if you touched, or you journeyed and touched some relic, or you had some indulgence, or you had something. I'll tell you what, you talk about an enemy that binds the people. I hate that thing. In fact, Luther hated it. That's why he came out of it. And I hate it when a man tries to exercise control over a people for his own sake. I want the Holy Ghost to have free reign. Listen to what the prophet says on the first pages of the church age book. It's to bring man into a relationship with God. That's his purpose. So they, they talk about the dimensions that we live in. Like we can't even fathom, you know, that there's something beyond because these dimensions are finite. Have you ever thought about, you know, here's all the colors in the universe. There's, you know, the rainbow of colors. Have you ever thought what another color would be if there could be one? Can't hardly imagine it. Have you ever thought about, you know, here's all the notes and music from one end to the other. Have you ever thought that there could be another note somewhere? You can't hardly imagine it. But if something has been withheld, if something is, and, and so the whole point here, I'm, I'm getting, I'm digressing, I'm just going slow, but this, this book talked about a flatland, a country that dwelt in just two dimensions. So I'll come down to your level. This is flatland right here. All you can see is what's there, like two, one direction this way, one direction this way. And that's flatland. But your thinking was obscured to what was above you. You couldn't see it above you. So here you exist in flatland. But now I'm ascending out of flatland. I'm up here. You can't see me because you're down there. Can you think about it that way? Well, there was parts of God that were hidden that we could not see. That were not designed. Brother Branham goes in the seals. You're not catching it. You're not supposed to. Wait till the word comes more in season. So the word is unfolding. God is unfolding himself. How does he unfold himself? As these spirits rise up, we see, hey, I'm not part of that. I'm not part of that. Therefore, I'm part of that. That's the unfolding that we're seeing now. So if you exist in a flatland and God wanted to come down in your midst... And he says, okay, I'm going to poke my finger down. As that finger would penetrate flatland, all you would see is a circle. Because you live in flatland. Oh, you'd say, God is a circle. You wouldn't know that there was body and dimension and all these things to him. In fact, if he put three fingers down, you'd say, God is a triune being. But you wouldn't see it was connected to the same hand. Because you live in this dimension. So we're not meant to live by our intellectual thinking. We're not meant, but we're meant to live by faith and revelation in the unfailing God. So who, after, after you've lived in Flatland and you've seen that there's more to it, why would you want to live in Flatland? 
Why would you want to go back to your intellectual mind? Why would you want to go back to a denominational mindset? Why would you want to go back to these things? Oh, this is so much greater. If we could see that right now, as I said earlier today, you're the richest person in Edmonton today. In much of the country today. Oh no, I wish I had the money of, of, of such a millionaire. No, friends, you, if you would see, there's going to come a day when all of that means nothing compared to what you have right now. Oh, the love of God. That he would come to our level. You know, we, we, we put the universe out. We, we, we talk about the universe you know, that, that, that's there, and we think, well, God dwells in the universe. No, i, I got to go a step further than that. God holds the universe. <laughs> he doesn't dwell in the universe. He created the universe. He made the universe. And, and, and he, as an impersonal God, he didn't just make it and just sit back with his arms folded. That's the quote that I'm, I'm reading here. He said, it's as though God made the whole universe and all the laws that pertain to it and then he stood back and became a great impersonal God. Well, he set it all out. He sent his prophets. Either I receive it or I don't. No, he's actually active. He's not sitting back right now in this meeting. Friends, I'll tell you what. You can see the devil is moving. You can see that he's active right now in this. If, if, you, if, if I would put my device on and connect, all kinds of things might come in. But the same God also that... that, that that the devil, he's allowed his, he's also active. He's at your heart. He wants to grab your attention. He's for you. He's not against you. He said, it's as though God made a way of salvation for lost mankind. That way being the cross. The cross. And when the death of Christ has atoned for his sins, his resurrection gave us an open door to him. He just folded his arms and he stood back. It's as if, okay, we major on this thinking. We major on believing in a great creator who, having created, lost personal interest in his creation. I tell you, it so struck me. When Luther finally came to that revelation that God was not there to penalize him. He was not there, but he wanted him to come to him. Oh, it's the devil that condemns us. It's a devil that says you're not good enough. It's a devil that says you don't have a business. Your past is too bad. The things you've done are too bad. The hopelessness you're stuck in, you'll never get out of. Friends, he's a liar. God is interested in you today. The universe that we have, I, I took this on some slides earlier in the week. Or, or earlier last year, my goodness. Just a week ago, whatever it was. <laughs> you know, we talked about the habitable zone that, that is in the earth. The earth was put in this place where if it was a few hundred thousand miles closer away to the sun, we would burn up. Or we'd be living in a really warm place right now. Uh, yeah, look, I can see, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Or if we would be 100,000 miles or something away, we would be a frozen piece of ice, which we are anyway. 
And so, you know, but God created the universe. Now think about the earth. The earth is, is so uniquely situated. And the earth with its body of water, it has this, this moon, which is a type of the church. This is not this morning service, which is a type of the church. You know, the tides are, are, about, to swallow, are about to swallow everything up, and then the moon rises up, and the tides go back. And it's all governed together, magnetic pull. They say the earth and the stratosphere that we live around, that protects the earth, that, that provides for botany life, that provides for water to be here. He said it's as thin as the skin of an apple. And that's what we live and breathe every day. Now, God is holding that. The earth has magnetic fields around it. Magnetic fields that when solar storms come through, they repel off the earth because of the magnetic fields that are here. Water has a law. It has capillary action. It, it tends to creep up the side. If it didn't have that, we wouldn't have water creeping up to become rain. And we wouldn't live. Now, who is organizing and doing all of this but God? He, he's interested Friends, under the seventh seal, under you take a type going back to Genesis. And in Genesis, God rested after six works, and we kind of feel like, oh, he's not, he's not doing anything. But actually, it's him that's in everything. It's him that's in the flower. It's him that's budding it. It's him that's bringing life. It's him that's kind after kind. He's here. Turn. turn. While we're still here, let's just... Well, you know what? Let's finish this. We're, we're in, still in Deuteronomy. If you still got it up there, Brother Mark. You'll never keep yourself. But to show you how deceptive this age is. Verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let. So, you have to open yourself up for that iniquity to work. Now, Brother Branham actually types it in, in more in the seals. Until he be taken out of the way. Now, the things that are rising up are exactly in season. But so is the God that's in our midst. Okay? Now, he said, and, and he says... Let me finish reading. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying, lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved for this cause... God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You look at what the world has given itself over to. In the last number of years, from you can go back and you can take 1956 when Brother Branham said this is America's last year. They kind of kept going because there was still a church that was holding back the wave of sin. And then 
after the church world rejected the opening of the word, the furtherance. Now, it's not mysterious. A seal is God peeling back something, not just knowledge, but also of his character. Now, this is a whole different message. I'm going to leave that statement there. But, but when they didn't receive that, they began to give themselves over to things. Music arose. Hollywood arose. And, and, and churches that once stood against it paved the way, opening the door for it to come in. Politicians who once had a stand now because of their own lusts let things go. Let tobacco companies have a big tax break. Let's let Hollywood have, you know, all these things. And in so doing, they pave the win way for sin to come rolling in. And, and, you know, I'll tell you what, 10 years ago, this was child's play, what we saw. Today, you look at the perversion. Gay marriage, transgender, homosexuality. Brother Ed, be careful, they're taping this. It might get out. I gotta speak the truth. Don't play with it. We have nothing to do with it. Well, it's everywhere. Well, not only that, but it paved the way for promiscuous dressing. And friends, that spirit doesn't stay out there. It tries to get in here. It paves the way for wicked thinking. It's just a betting ground to start. But they give themselves over. Friends, the fall is so great. Keep yourselves in the love of God. You can't keep yourself in this age. Only God can keep you. Spurgeon once said, idleness and luxury are the jackets of the devil. Well, what are you going to do? I'm just going to veg out. Do something mindless. You know what often mindless is? Gravitating to some form of entertainment. If you stay still, you're going to get swept up. You can't remain still. You've got to have a purpose that you're moving forward. That will keep you. My, I'm not even close to where I'm going. Let me, let me take a few things here. The word keep, kept is the past tense of keep. Keep means to have or retain possession of. Retain or reserve for use in the future. God is keeping a bride because he desired a group of people that would love him. To continue or to cause in a specific, a specified condition or position or course. You, you, if, 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 if you let yourself go, you won't keep your course. You won't, you, if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a purpose, if you don't have something, it, it, it's, it's going to pull you off course somewhere. God is determined. Are we determined? He cares. Do we care? Let's, let's just go, go to a, a chapter, a couple of chapters here. We'll go over to Colossians chapter 1. Just about going to wind us down for this morning here. Colossians chapter 1. 
Verse 16, this is actually the scripture used for Christ is the mystery of God revealed. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created. Now, it doesn't put a period there. Well, he created it. I guess I can do whatever I want with it. No. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. By him, the planets keep their orbits. By him, the earth rotates perfectly. By him, the seasons happen. By him, all these things happen. And by him, he sends his word to keep us. By him, he puts it in your heart. <coughs> he puts it in your heart to pray. By him, he causes you to come to him. By him, there's a hunger that rises. We are actually meant to be filled. There's a spot in our lives that God wants to occupy. Amen. And the enemy comes and Brother Ben would say it so well. He'd say, why do you hunger? Why do you thirst? God made you that way. Amen. And he wants to fill that part. Amen. You know the greatest joy? Is when you don't see yourself anymore. When you see him working through you. When you go through traffic and, you know, it's like the first snowfall or the first ice. It's out there. Everybody's just. And, and it's fine. You got to be careful. But really? <laughs> Sorry. That was my inside voice speaking. And there's times past, oh, man, I got another kilometer and a half down this single lane road behind this person. But then after a while, oh, I got, hey, I got three minutes. Let me just slide that tape in. Hmm, wow, I'm ever glad I heard that. Thank God for that person. <laughs> hey. We got to overcome. Stature of a perfect man. Brother Manum talks about the seven virtues of a Christian. He said there's faith. There's virtue. There's godliness. There's knowledge. There's all of these different things. He said every one of these have an element of this naturally speaking. But that's not good enough to present to God. God wants to come in and fill it. You might say, hey, I got patience. I can handle anything. Careful what you say. <laughs> hey, I'm zealous for the truth. Careful, you'll find yourself knee deep into something that you shouldn't have been in. What is it? We're building up the stature of Christ in us. Every church age, that, that pyramid, those steps, Brother Adam would say, he says, every, it, was, it was there for the individual, but it was there for every age. Every age overcame by a portion of that. The Thyatiran age overcame by patience because they needed it in that time. Now I'm getting into further part. Let me, let me just finish 
He is before all things. By him all things consist. Let's, let's just do one more scripture. Go back to the book of Psalms. I'm going to skip one here. Brother Mark, go back to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 23. Just read this. This will be what we'll close on this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He, he's working on your behalf more than you on your own behalf. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. They're coming. They're not quite here right now. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Well, that part's true. The waters are very still right now. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here's the part, verse 4. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though there is all kinds of Laodicean spirits, though there's all kinds of these things, though I walk through this, I will tremble at everything that comes my way. No, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thou, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As the musicians come, we try to get to the place where I'm going to bank up enough money, I'm going to get enough for retirement, and then I'm going to just coast. I'm going to get everything just right, or I'm going to get to a place where I got so much of the Holy Ghost, I don't have to worry. That's not the place God wants you to get to. God wants you to get to a realization, it's Him and me. No matter what I face, no matter what I do, no matter where I go, no matter if I have money in my bank account or if I don't, no matter what, what, where my children are where they aren't, no matter what's around me, what sickness, but I'm with you. I'll deliver you. I'll take care of you. I'm with you. Don't you worry about it. I've got it all under control. That's where he wants us to get to. It's, it's me and you. The devil cannot take away that which God has put place within you. Why? He has, he has reserved for you an inheritance incorruptible. He's preserving you. He's keeping you. He's keeping us. Friends, the anointing we are under right now, the eagle anointing, it's your protection. When you feed on the message, don't look at this, don't look at that. Look at this. Look at who he is. Look on him. The Bible says we look at him as, a, as in a glass darkly. And as we look, we're changed into the same image. Keep looking on the message. Is that all right? That's an admonition this morning. Let's stand together. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days.
Marshall, when he spoke this testimony, he came to a place in his life and he goes, God loves me. And then he uttered those words, he loves me and he loves those beside me and he loves those that I hate. (laughs) God is not against us. That's the devil that's telling us a lie. God's not way off somewhere. God's right here. He's closer. In him we live and move and have our being. When you kneel down to pray, it might seem like he's a million miles away, but he's actually right there. A God that can maybe listen to 500,000, maybe 500 million people praying at the same time and, and, and the angels are maybe there and they're trying to just hang on I'm, I'm listening to the, what, what they're saying a God that can I, I was just so thrilled by this testimony earlier this year we had a bunch of ministers who were together and Daryl Ward shared a little testimony and he said they needed Bibles in Mexico. And they asked the pastor, how many? We need about a thousand. He went back to the church. And he went back to the church and he told the Sunday school, we need to raise enough money for a thousand Bibles. And the pastor was a printer and he said, how much money is that? And he gave him a sum of money. Well, they raised up a little bit more than that. Now here, think about what's happening here. Think about who's orchestrating this story. And, and as they're, or, and they're orchestrating the story, and, and they raised up money. So a little child drops in a little money here, a little one here, and a little one there. And maybe that day the parents had a little more money, and they gave them some to put in their piggy bank, and they brought it. Maybe God blessed somebody in the workplace. Maybe somebody, you know, all of these things, God was working. They raised up enough money, and he said, okay, I got a little bit more. How much do you have for We have enough for 1,006. 1,006. We can leave the extra money, or, well... If God raised it, let's just take it. And they come. And Brother Darrell, he said he went down to the border to make sure these Bibles could be delivered. They had them in a school bus and in these crates, and they crossed the border. The soldiers are there. He said, what are you doing? We're, we're just we're going across. And said, let's see what's in there. And here's these Bibles. You're going to sell these Bibles, aren't you? No, 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 no. They're free. Free, free. Well, they're free. Then we can have one, right? Sure, sure, you can have one. Well, how many of you is there? Six. (laughs) Who did that? The same God that is here this morning. The same God that's with you when you go to school. The same God that's with you when you're alone. That's the God that we serve. He's with us. (laughs) Oh, my. He is here. He is here. He is here. 